It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to BGN Radio right here on bleedinggreennation.com. What's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? This is episode number 47 of the BGN Radio Podcast, fueled by Duncan Philly. I am your fill-in host this week, James Seltzer, and let's get to our crew this week. Over here to my right, the editor-in-chief of Bleeding Green Nation, Mr. Brandon Lee Gatton, BLG. How you doing today, bud? Hey, I'm doing all right, James. Thanks for asking. It's it's, it's nice to have. Not that I, I miss John dearly, but it, you know, this is a nice little change-up we got going. Here. I agree. It's a little fun. Fun for me. I get to do my best John impression coming in, which is fun. I've, I've basically been waiting to say what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation, for 47 <laughs> podcasts now. So pretty you excited about that. <laughs> all right. Patrick Wall is here, the professor, as we like to call him here. Also, the greatest past officio order in the history of the world. Patrick, how you doing tonight? I'm great, James. And anytime you say something I don't agree with, I'm just going to yell, you're not my real host. <laughs> I will take that and I will go cry by myself after the podcast is over. And our fourth member tonight making his, uh, I believe, his debut on the preview show. Very right. excited to have Matt Daring from Our Eagles and pretty much a professional internet commentator, Matt how are we doing tonight, bud? Good, James. It's good, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. I love it. All right, guys, let's jump right in. We're going to get to the Eagles talk in just a sec, but I felt like we just kind of have to touch on this Roger Goodell situation. Obviously, it seems like it's getting crazier and crazier by the day. Of course, TMZ releases the tape where we actually see Ray Rice punching his then fiance in the face, makes waves. Ray gets... Uh, Dropped by the Ravens, suspended indefinitely by the league. And then you thought that was where the story was going to end. And then all of a sudden, it's every day there's a lie that gets exposed. Uh, We find out that the tape was sent to the NFL five months ago. Goodell comes out today and says that the reason he only suspended Ray Rice 
for two games was for his wife, Janae Palmer, was because he felt bad for her. I, I mean, it's just like, it, it's one of the craziest stories I could possibly remember. It just seems to get crazier and crazier by the day. Just quick thoughts on it, guys, because I felt like we had to touch on it before we get into the birds. BLG, uh, what's your take on this? Is Goodell going to step down? Is there any chance we have a new commissioner at some point in the near future? Well, there was a report this week that said there's no way, quote, on end quote, that he's going to resign. Uh, I don't see it happening, believe it or not. I, I just think that uh, the owners aren't going to push him out either because I, I saw a couple quotes from Robert Kraft, you know, the Patriots owner, that seemed pretty supportive of him despite all of this. And, you know, I, I feel like even though this situation has really, they just really dropped the ball in the situation, this is a really bad situation, I would be surprised if, if he gets fired or he resigns at this point. I just feel like... Like there's just too much support for some reason of him, and I don't know, man. This is just it's, they really just this is not not a good situation. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm with you. I don't think he's going to resign, but we've got a, a Senate committee uh, meeting about this. There's going to be an independent investigation, which which it appears is not that independent, as the former FBI director, I believe his name is uh, Robert Mueller, will be conducting the investigation, works for a company that, that has ties to the NFL. There's all this kind of crazy stuff going on. Patrick, what's your take on this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think you you want to see Roger Goodell resign from this, but the reality, I think, is... And I've been going back and forth on this for a while. If Roger Goodell resigns, it's as much a PR move on the part of the NFL as anything Roger Goodell has done in his tenure. Um, I think more important than him resigning and us sort of, you know, getting the blood in our mouths is the idea that the NFL is going to start taking these things seriously and coming to the realization that fans are not okay with the sort of uh, Mad Men era policies that they've been sort of okay with. Um, I think you know the the sort of rushed policy of of the of the two strikes and you're out um, for domestic violence that we saw in the last week or so is a step in the right direction and perhaps more important than having the commissioner who is essentially just a figurehead step down um, would be the NFL really putting in some policies that that make sense and are sort of of our time. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I think like the biggest thing with me with this whole thing is is the lie after lie after lie, and it almost seems like Adele is feeling like he's above everything and that he can lie and it won't come out, and then each sub- subsequent lie keeps getting refuted. Uh, Matt, what's your take on this whole thing? I know you've had some, some strong hot takes, you might call it, on Twitter. Uh, what do you think? You think Adele needs to step down? Uh, well, I think he will. I think that that's sort of where this is going. It seems like, and we've seen it sort of unfolding before our very eyes, where it's been like, no, possibly, oh, it is kind of deal. Um, I think there's no way he gets out of this. And and you see, we're not going to let it go. And we're going to find out that somebody saw it, who saw it. There's going to be a lot of questions asked. He doesn't have to throw up his hands and say, I don't know. And I think ultimately it's going to, uh, he's going to come out of the, like either too much of a buffoon or you know a real jackass whichever one of them ends up being the case you know either he saw it or he didn't and somebody else saw it and he didn't know about it either way you know he's he's responsible here um i think ultimately yeah this is too ugly it's it's too ugly it's going to get out of hand and um you know 3 months from now or whatever announce that he's stepping down at the end of the season yeah i, I could see it happening i think you know you've seen that kind of quote 
uh, floating around on Twitter today about during the Saints bounty scandal when Goodell said that essentially ignorance is not an excuse. Uh, look, buddy, in this case, you're, you're claiming ignorance. They had it there. Uh, apparently, Harvey Levin now coming out and saying that, that he thinks he knows which employee at the NFL got the tape. We'll see where that goes. Who would have thought that Harvey Levin would be the Woodward and Bernstein of this situation? <laughs> it's probably the most surprising thing about this. But we'll move on. Just want to get everyone's takes. I, I think it's definitely going to be something that's going to carry on for a little bit longer, and we'll we'll clearly be talking about it. But let's do what we do best, guys. Let's talk some birds. Let's get into this. I think the clear place to start before we get into our preview of the Colts is the offensive line. Evan Mathis goes down. MCL sprain, uh, really a tear, put on the IR designated for return. He will be able to return as early as week 10 against the Panthers. Obviously, that's a huge loss. Uh, as if that weren't enough, Alan Barbary filling in for Lane Johnson at the starting right tackle position has a an ankle injury. Turns out it's a season ender. He's going to need surgery on that. We'll, we'll get into the Najee Good injury in a minute, but looking at these injuries, Andrew Gardner most likely to step in at right tackle, Dennis Kelly most likely to step in at left guard. Brandon, what do you make of this? Is this something the Eagles can get through? Is this going to be something that really sidelines the offense? How do they respond? I really, really liked what I saw of the backup offensive line during the preseason, and I, and I think a lot of people felt that way. And at the same time, you, know, you, you really didn't want to have to see them play in the regular season, uh, but that's where they are right now. Like you said, Mathis is down, Barbary is out. Uh, you know, it really stinks for the Eagles that Johnson got suspended, obviously, and not only that, but that Matt Tobin got hurt in the, the final preseason game in, in meaningless action because you have Johnson and Tobin in right now instead of, you know, you put Tobin at, at guard for Mathis and Johnson, you know, for Barbary, or where he should be in the first place. I mean, that's to me, that's not looking like a bad line. But in the meantime, you have Kelly, you have Gardner. Can they weather through? I feel like they can. I feel like uh, Jeff Stoutland is a good offensive line coach. They also sign uh, Wade Smith, a veteran who has some experience. You know, he's he's been out of the league. I mean, well, he was with the Seahawks this this summer. But, uh, you know, he didn't make the team, and he's kind of just been sitting on the market since. So maybe if all else fails, you know, you put him in there, maybe he can show something. But, you know, like I said, I liked what I saw out of the backup offensive line this summer. I liked Gardner overall. Not super impressed, but, like, decent enough. Dennis Kelly, I thought, looked a little more solid. So you add those guys in. I think they can get by. But, I mean, you're really, at this point, you're just really waiting for Tobin and Johnson to get back. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The line would look a lot better if Tobin and Johnson were in there. Um, Wade Smith, we'll see. Uh, you know, a lot's been made about with the backups of the idea that s- since they take so many reps in practice, that's going to make a big difference because they get more time to practice, more actual game time, more scenarios, more plays. Uh, Patrick, do you buy into that? Do you think that that's really going to help the you know Dennis Kellys of the world and the uh, Gardners of the world step in and, and play with that first team? I don't know how much it's going to help in game action, but I think it's definitely valuable. I mean, I don't think you can discount, you know, your backup O lineman getting a third of the or or three times the snaps they would get on another team uh, to the point where, you know, their you know their talent might not be as great as a starter, obviously, but they're going to come in and, you know, they're going to be a little bit more battle ready, if you will. Um, and in the case of Dennis Kelly, I mean, look, he started. A good chunk of his rookie year. Uh, obviously, last year he was hurt. Um, I don't think he even dressed for a game last year. He was coming back from that back injury. 
Um, but he's a versatile guy. You know, he's, he knows what it takes to start. He started with a couple of these guys on the line, I believe. I think he started with Harriman's at least. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to it for sure. Um, when the bullets are live, you know, who knows what, what uh, all that practice rep uh, hullabaloo really counts for. But uh, I guess we'll find out on Monday night. Yeah, I think that's a great point there. And and the last thing with the O-line we need to talk about, Brandon brought him up. Wade Smith brought in a uh, former pro bowler, a little long in the tooth. Matt, A, what do you think of the Wade Smith signing? And B, do you think that he can get up to speed quick enough, especially in an offense that is so up-tempo, plays so fast? Do you think a 33-year-old guy can come in off the street and, and step in if needed and play with these guys? Uh, well, that's a great question. I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't really think that, and I said this a while back uh, on Twitter, I said I don't really think that um, anybody on the street at this point can really come in and help. Uh, and that's sort of a, a grim picture, I guess, but uh, I was sort of more trying to steer everybody towards, you know, taking a look at Graf um, and the other one, uh, Andrews, right? The other guy in the practice squad. Yeah, Andrews. Uh, these, are, these are guys who have all been living the Chip Kelly life, LaVita Chip, you know, <laughs> as it were, um, for the last four or five months since may basically you know they've been sleeping in special rooms and i don't know hanging upside down for 13 minutes a day or whatever else chip uh, chip is having these guys do they're all part of this super secret uh conditioning program um so for a guy like wade smith to come in and i think the conditioning is is the most important thing that these guys do um so for a guy like wade smith to come in i'm just not sure that he's going to be uh able to to hang more or less with with else on the offense um i'm just not i'm just not totally sure it's nice to have him as insurance and obviously he's uh he was once a good player um and maybe i'm wrong but uh ultimately i think that uh if we're looking for if we're looking for a short-term solution we should be looking for a guy who's been doing this since may and not a guy who's been doing it since monday yeah, man, I think that's a great point. I totally agree. I think the way they run, the way they move, the speed at which they go, it's going to be really hard, even for a, a veteran who's been around the league, to step in. Obviously, a lot of people make uh, something out of the fact that there are so many ex-Texans on the roster, including ex-Tex and linemen. Uh, uh, Chip Kelly talked about how they have a similar blocking scheme, so maybe that's something, but, but I definitely agree. I think the conditioning is going to be the major issue. One more big injury to talk about it. And in my mind, maybe, you know, I think the math is obviously is the, the biggest name to go down and, and hopefully he can come back this season and make an impact. But from a depth perspective, I think Najee good being lost for the season. And it was an injury. You didn't even really hear about in the game. All of a sudden it's Monday and Najee goods out for the season. Uh, I think it could be a real problem for their inside linebacker depth with D'Amico and Kendricks, really the only two there you can trust. BLG, what do they do? Uh, obviously, they brought Acho up from the practice squad. They have Casey Matthews. Uh, are these guys going to play important minutes? Uh, and do you have any faith in them at all? I don't see them playing important minutes. You know, I think they really wanted that with good. I think they had planned to to get Ryan's off the field a little more. You know, you, you have uh, good in there instead, and you feel comfortable enough to put him in and play. I think they're really high on him. But, you know, now he's gone. I don't think they're really high on Casey Matthews. I think they like him as a special teams player, but I really don't think they really want him on the defense too much. And uh, as we were talking about before the show, you know, you lose Travis Long too, and that's big because he probably could have taken some of those inside reps, at least here and there maybe, or in, at least in an emergency situation. Now, now you have Matthews and Acho. You know, you know, those aren't really inspiring, even though, Acho had a good preseason last year. I don't think he was that impressive this year. 
you know, maybe maybe losing good make, makes the Eagles want to go use their dime package more because then maybe that's how you get Ryans off the field if they're looking to get Ryans off the field more, which they probably should be, as Matt will agree with me. But, you mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they handle it. I just – you're you're absolutely right, James. You know, I, I think – that was even an underreported injury. A lot of the people, you know, I saw on BGN or around Twitter or wherever, didn't even realize he left the game. And you know, even just from a special teams team standpoint, and not just a defensive standpoint, but you know, he was one of the better special teams players. So losing him is, you know, that's that's definitely an under the radar uh, loss right there. Yeah, I totally agree, especially the progress the kid had made from last year to this year. really looked like he was kind of coming into his own a little bit. Uh, and like you said, the loss of Long, uh, you're basically looking at having Matthews and Acho, two guys who probably don't make the team if Long doesn't get hurt. Now is your two backups. Uh, Matt, it seemed like you had a strong take on the D'Amico needing to take more snaps off. Uh, what, do you think that that's necessary? Do you think that they can get by if they need D'Amico on the field as much as he was last season? Uh, well, we saw them get by last year. I thought they played pretty well, all things considered. Uh, I just think D'Amico is sort of a player on the, he's on the downward end of his career. Now, no offense, he seems like a nice guy. But, uh, yeah, and, he's, and he definitely uh, is good at certain things. But you watch him in coverage, and he really struggles. Um, and he, he, you know, even when you see him take on blocks and try to shed blocks, uh, he struggles there, too. I just think he looks, you know, a little tired. And as the season goes on, it's going to be another long season uh, for everyone. Everybody involved, and I would have liked to have seen him uh, take a little more time off. Uh, one idea I've been beating the drum for, Brandon's probably rolling his eyes right now, uh, but uh, <laughs> we can see Marcus Smith. Say, there it is. There it is. We can see Marcus Smith taking some snaps in the middle. Um, I think that that would be uh, a nice way to sort of get him in, especially if we're talking about uh, you know some packages where you're having okay, there are five guys coming. Is it, is it, you know something like that? You have uh, you can sort of. Put a little bit of fear in there uh, with a with a different package. Um, so I would have liked to have seen good good stay healthy. One thing I will say is I think likes um, I think they like Acho more as a line than as a special, um, which is one of the reasons why he didn't actually make the practice squad. So um, I do think there's a little bit to be hopeful for there uh, as far as uh, the backup situation is concerned. I mean he yeah he didn't make the team, but he probably would have if he were a better special teamer. I don't think they have as much concern about his ability to play linebacker. I think that's a very good point. He's not really a special teams guy, but maybe he can step in and, and make a difference. Uh, the Marcus Smith thing is kind of tough. I think the kid's having so much trouble learning that outside spot to begin with. You throw too much on his plate. Maybe that's an issue. More so, I don't know if Chip and Bill would do that. Uh, but, Patrick, we'll end the discussion here. Do you see the Eagles going out and, and making a move to bring anybody in? Uh, it's nobody of consequence. I think Matt hit it exactly on the head. When you talk about... You know, if Andy Reid were still the head coach of this team, yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, but you're talking about a guy in Chip Kelly whose system and whose sort of philosophy is so far-reaching and is so uh, fundamental to being a member of the Philadelphia Eagles that you can't just grab, for the most part, scrub linebackers or guys off the street and expect them to come in and, and do anything meaningful, at least not, you know, immediately certainly so maybe they see a guy on the street that they think is kind of like they did with um with Najee maybe there's a guy who they think they can mold into something down the road um and they bring him in but at this point I would I would say any anyone who comes in at a position of need or as or you know conventional wisdom would tell you that they're an injury replacement I would not count on it for the foreseeable future 
Yeah, I agree. I just don't think that's the way they're going to roll. I think they, and it kind of alludes to what we were talking about with the offensive line. I think they like guys who have been there, who are part of the system, who are there through training camp, who they've had extra time to get to know. Uh, I, I totally agree. I don't see them making a move there. All right, guys, let's jump in. It's time to talk a little Eagles Colts Monday night action. Uh, we got to start with Andrew Luck. I, I don't think there's really any other place to start. The best young quarterback in the game, in my opinion. I, I think he is on his way to, you know, being discussed in that kind of all-time great conversation, assuming he can get some hardware. But, BLG, what do you do? Is there anything the Eagles can do to slow down luck? Is there anything from a defensive perspective that you think they can do to kind of combat Andrew Luck? I think it's going to be tough because, you know, I really like the Eagles' run defense last week, and and I don't think that's going to be a problem against the mighty Trent Richardson of the, (laughs) what's he averaging, like two and a half yards a carry or whatever. He's not good. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not really worried about the run game, but so maybe that takes away the play action a little bit because, you know, you're not really scared of the run, so you're not not falling for the play action, hopefully. But uh, as a passer, you know, Lux, you know, he's pretty good. and you have this Philadelphia Eagles secondary, which I think is you know average maybe at best. I mean, I, I like what Malcolm Jenkins has brought so far. Nate Allen is solid, but you know he he's not special in any way. Uh, Bradley Fletcher he seems to be playing all right, but you know they kind of actually seem to have a little rotation with him coming out of the game. Even they had Nolan Carroll take some snaps there last week, just a few just for like a series or so. But then you have everyone's favorite cornerback, Kerry Williams, who is probably the most up-and-down player I've ever seen in the NFL because, you know, he'll go against some no-name rookie receiver like Alan Hearns and just have a terrible day. And then he'll go up against someone good maybe, like I guess he's going to be matched up against Wayne or Hilton and watch him just be like decent. Maybe he'll allow like a catch or so, but like watch him be like better than he would be against the rookie. So... You know, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I do see Luck giving the Eagles some trouble. Uh, I'm not scared out of my mind of him, but, you know, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's so, so fun to watch. He's one of those guys who it's never over. We saw it last week against the Broncos, against the Chiefs in the playoffs. And, of course, just his ability to make things happen out of nothing. You think you've got him wrapped up in the pocket, and then all of a sudden he's sprinting to the right and running downfield. Uh, Just an amazing, amazing player. Uh, Patrick, outside of luck, for me personally, I I look at this team as luck throwing the team on his shoulders, and that's about it. Uh, Is there anyone else or any other matchup on this team Colts team that scares you going into this game? I don't know about matchups that scare me. I do worry a little bit about this receiving core um, just because I really don't trust Kerry Williams and I don't trust Bradley Fletcher and or Nolan Carroll to be uh, anywhere close to lockdown for an entire game. Um, You know, (laughs) This game is so tricky because I feel like in a lot of ways these teams are pretty similar. Uh, I mean, Vontae Davis maybe on defense is a guy that you want to watch out for. Uh, he's, a, he's a pretty good cornerback. But I think the Eagles and the Colts are, are very similar in terms of personnel. And I think the Colts, you know, would be a lot worse if they had – if they didn't have Andrew Luck. But there's nobody that's that's standing out to me as, you know, circle him, make sure you know where he is on every play kind of thing. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, obviously, Reggie Wayne is a is a really really great receiver, but he's not necessarily so a game breaker, so to speak. Uh, he's going to find spots in the field. He's going to make plays. He'll get you big first downs, but not necessarily someone you're scared of. Matt, lo- looking at this matchup, uh, Chuck Pagano came out this week and said, you know, kind of alluded to the fact that the Colts are going to try and control the tempo, control the ball, maybe try and get this, keep this offense off the field. A, do you think they have the ability to do that with, uh, you know, running backs who are Mod Bradshaw and Trent Richardson? And B, do you think that could work? Uh, no. <laughs> to both. That's, like that's all I got to say. No, there's no way in hell they can do that. They, um, they, they don't have the running attack. They don't have run blocking. They don't have anything particularly interesting. Trent Richardson's head is full of beanbags or, or something. I mean, that guy just does not see, doesn't think. He just sort of goes. And it, it isn't doesn't work. He, he's not any good. If they want to come out and try to control the tempo, that's great. You know, and we can let them try to control the tempo to the tune of three or four, three and outs, and, and then, you know, or, you know, we can watch him end up at third and eight repeatedly, and then, you know, hopefully they can hold the best, but there's no way that that's going to happen. Um, one other thing I'm going to be on my keeping an eye on the backup line. Um, I have a pretty good, I have a lot of faith in them, but uh, still, it's Dennis Kelly hasn't played in a long time. And, uh, neither Gardner played some last week, and it was okay. But uh, I think watching them uh, on their respective matchups, while they're not up against anybody particularly uh, scary, I think that uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and that's something that Chip and Pat Shermer have talked about about the size of the Colts' defensive line. I think they've got you know three players over 315 pounds on that line, so that'll definitely be something to watch. I think it's going to be an important matchup. I do like the point you made about the O line. I think the Colts might have the worst O line in the game. Uh, just a lack of talent across the board, a lack of continuity. They've got young players trying to step up. I, I think that's really a, a matchup that the Eagles can take advantage of, especially coming off a game where I, I think we can all agree the defensive line looked as good as it has looked uh, in a long time here in Philadelphia. So I, I think it could be a big game for Fletcher Cox, for Benny Logan, for Cedric Thornton, for those guys to kind of step up and make their presence felt. Uh, speaking of those guys, BLG, uh, give me an eagle you're going to keep your eye on. We're all obviously going to keep our eyes on the backup O-linemen. But outside of that, who's an eagle you, you're looking at in this game that you think could make a big impact? You know, I, I'm going to go with Benny Logan because uh, the Colts – center missed time last week uh they actually had to play former eagles center at one time i don't know if you remember the name aq, AQ shipley. shipley yeah <laughs> AQ. he's uh he's practicing apparently today but he was limited in practice uh the Colts starting center so we'll see how that goes i think benny can take advantage i thought he had a pretty decent game against the jaguars uh he didn't get a, as much pass rush as i would have liked but uh i think he really did well against the run you know, I think he really gets things going up front there, and you know, I think he can take on blocks. And you know, I think he was he was able to get, you know, Fletcher, uh, Fletcher Cox, you know, on one-on-one matchups or favorable matchups with him, or even some of the outside linebackers, you know, getting getting free because Benny's eating up blocks on the inside. So you know, that's another guy I think you should watch. Patrick, someone to keep your eye on. Hmm. You know who I'm looking him? at in this game? I would like to see uh, Jason Peters. How about that? Had maybe his most notably noticeably poor game in God years, maybe uh, against the Jaguars. I don't know if that was like a play down to your competition type thing. Although I think he was going against Red Bryant, so it's not exactly a pushover. Um, you know, the offensive line is going to be hurting, 
And the two guys you got, or the three guys that you have in there, um, are sort of your veteran leader types. But I would really like to see Jason Peters set the tone and really just come out and be his dominating self. I think if you can get uh, your your stud left tackle going, it's going to be a lot of help for uh, Dennis Kelly, who's going to be next to him. So, you know, give me one of the big uglies. I want to see uh, Jason Peters dominate. Yeah, great point there about Kelly. I definitely think having Jason Peters on one side and Jason Kelsey on the other should be something that at least can help him along, help him out throughout the game. Uh, Matt, who are you keeping your eye on? Uh, I'm going to say Brandon Boykin. Uh, he's going to be going up against uh, Reggie Wayne, and he's no pushover, although Reggie Wayne is now, uh, you know, he's up there. He's along in the tooth. So, uh, but last week, Reggie Wayne turned out 13 times. You know, that's a lot. Uh, as, a, as a slot receiver, you know, he's going to be primarily playing in the slot. So, you know, they're going to see a lot of each other. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to see Boykin get the better of him. Um, Reggie's sort of a, a security blanket for Andrew Luck, and I think that he's, um, uh, I think that's just going to be very important that, that we keep them from converting on third and long, and I think Boykin could be a big part of that. All right, guys, I'll give you mine, and he's also going to be my standout player of the game. I'm going with Zach Ertz. Uh, this Colts defense just gave up three touchdowns in a half to Julius Thomas. I, I think Ertz, it may not be Julius Thomas from an athletic perspective, but he's not that far off. I, I think that clearly the Eagles like to look for Ertz down that seam. Uh, three catches, I believe, all for over 20 yards in that first game. Obviously, the 25-yard touchdown catch. I think that Ertz is going to be a big part of this offense as the season progresses, and I just think this is a dynamite matchup for him. I think that he can really take advantage of the Colts linebackers and safeties. So look for Zach Ertz to have a big, big game on Monday night. Hey, Eagles fans. As the official coffee, donut, and breakfast sandwich of your Philadelphia Eagles, Dunkin' Donuts has everything you need to keep your season running. Grab an Eagles box of Joe and Eagles Donuts at your local Dunkin' today. All right, now it's time for our Ring the Bell pick segment. I don't know if it's officially Woo! named that, but you know what? I-, I think we need to go with it. I think it's perfect. Yeah, uh, we're we're going to each uh, give three quick picks here. BLG, lead us off. I'm going to go to the... Uh, the, the Denver Broncos, who are favored by 13 at home. I really did not like what I saw of the Chiefs last week. I don't think they're going to be a good team this year. Mike McGlynn is starting for them somehow. I don't know how that's a thing, but I'm going to take the Broncos minus 13. Mike McGlynn actually rated out as the worst uh, lineman in the league, I believe, or, or one of them on, on Pro Football Focus last year. So <laughs> that that is definitely – I mean, he was already cut in preseason. I believe he was a, a Redskin backup, couldn't make the team, yeah. or excuse me, a Washington professional football team backup and couldn't make the uh, the team there. So, uh, Matt, give me one of your picks. Uh, I'm going to take the, the Jaguars are down six to the Redskins, and I think the Jaguars will win outright, so give me the Jags. Stole my pick. I was going to go outright Ooh. as well. I, I'm with you. I just I don't like what I saw from Washington in week one. They, they couldn't score at all. Obviously, that Texans defense can be impressive, especially with J.J. Watt. But I just thought the Redskins looked terrible. I don't think they're picking up Gruden's scheme. I don't think they're really buying what he's selling. And I thought Jacksonville looked like, it, if nothing else, a really well-coached team against, uh, against the Eagles on Sunday. So I'm with you. That'll be my first pick as well. I, I like the Jaguars plus the six, uh, but I think they're going to win as well. Uh, Patrick, what's your first pick? Let's go to the big... Apple, and then let's go like 90 miles south of that to the Meadowlands. 
And I am looking at the New York Giants and Arizona Cardinals. Giants are plus three in this game. And I know everyone's loving trashing uh, DRC and the New York Giants, myself included. But I actually kind of have a feeling they're going to pull this one out. I think uh, the Giants are going to be one of those super obnoxious teams this year that's going to go like the flukiest 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven you've ever seen. Everyone's going to be screaming about how advanced metrics show them to not be that bad, but in fact they're going to be terrible and just somehow stick around. I think it starts against the Arizona Cardinals. So give me the Giants plus three at home. Ring the bell! Yeah. Uh, it was going to be my next pick. I, I think this Giants team is awful. I, I thought that from top to bottom, they were the worst team that I watched play this weekend. Uh, I think that they look lost in that offensive system. I don't think Eli Manning wants anything to do with learning a new system at 33 years old or, or whatever he is. Uh, I thought they looked bad on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line is in shambles. And I thought Arizona uh, played a really nice game. I thought the Chargers would actually win that game. Uh, Arizona played tough. I thought their defense looked better than I expected, at least against the Chargers offense that was quite good last year. We'll see how they progress this year, but uh, I'm going to take the Cardinals minus the three. I think they win it handily. BLG, pick number two. Pick number two is the Eagles, plus three. They're on the road, but yes! you know, I, I think they can really pull this one out, You know, or at least I really think this game is going to come down to the wire, so I, I have to take the, the points here, plus three, and I'm taking the Eagles to win, so Eagles. Yeah, I, I love that pick. We'll get into it when uh, we do our picks at the end, but but I think that's a very good pick. Uh, Matt, where are you going with pick number two? Uh, give me the Chargers plus six. Uh, they're going to be playing the Seahawks. Um, Seahawks are away from home. We all know that they tend to sputter a little bit more. Uh, I don't know that the Chargers will win, but I certainly don't think that they w- will be losing by a touchdown. So, yeah, give me the Chargers plus six. All right, Pat, your second pick, sir? Since I just picked the New York football Giants to win – I got to pick the Cowboys to lose. There you go. Making up for it. Cowboys are uh, plus three and a half. I think this game might actually be close. And the hack that I am, I actually think I picked the Titans to win. Or excuse me, I think I picked the Cowboys to win this game. But, you know, who reads anymore? So I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans minus three and a half. Or, yeah. All right. I, w- I would theoretically ring the bell in this case because I think the Cowboys have a chance to win it, but screw that. Screw the Cowboys. That's not happening. I'm going to go down to Buffalo for my last pick. Uh, Buffalo is a, a plus-one home dog against the Miami Dolphins. Both teams coming off big week one wins, obviously. The Patriots uh, shocked by the Dolphins down in Miami, and, of course, the Bills actually go on the road and, and beat a, a seven-point favorite Chicago Bears I'm going to take the Bills this week. I'm going to take the home dog. I I think, as Bill Simmons says, they got a little nobody believes in us going on. There were so many issues in in camp and preseason with Marone and the fights and and EJ Manuel and bringing in Orton. And then they come out and they play with a a Bears team that everyone thinks is one of those chic contenders this season. I I really liked what I saw out of the Bills. I don't necessarily know if I believe that EJ Manuel is a starting quarterback in the NFL but I think there's some good mojo going on in Buffalo, especially with the sale to uh, Terry Pegula. Uh, I just like what's happening there. I think the Bills come out fired up at home in their home opener. I'm going to take the home dog plus one. Matt, your pick number uh, three. Boy, I'm torn. I have two good ones. Let's go. Give me the Texans. Uh, Texans are three-point favorites at Oakland. I think they beat them handily. Um, 
Yeah, the Texans are the Texans, and they weren't good last year, but neither were the Raiders, uh, and I think the Raiders are worse. The Raiders have just gotten older um, and more expensive, but uh, the, uh, Oakland has basically shown me nothing to say that they can even hang even to the tune of three points with the Houston Texans, so give me the Texans. Yeah, I think that's a great pick there. Uh, you know, Raiders, not only are they an awful team, they actually are last in the league in both rushing and passing. Uh, they just had an awful, awful week one performance. Gave up 212 rushing yards to the Jets. Uh, I think Arian Foster has a day on Sunday. Uh, BLG, your final pick, sir. My final pick, I'm going to Cincinnati, and I'm taking the Bengals minus five. The Bengals were 8-0 and at home last year. Falcons look good in week one. They beat the Saints, but I'm really not sold on them on the road. You know, I always feel like they're a weaker road team than they are at home. So I'll take the Bengals minus five. That's a nice pick there. The Bengals' defense just just so much better than that Saints defense. So I definitely could see that happening. I think that could be a close game, but I, the Falcons are going to have to show it to me one more time for me to buy in. Patrick, round out the picks with your final pick. All right, gents. In this game, I feel like the picks this week, there's a lot of, a lot of road dogs that, I'm, that I have faith in. So I'm going to end by picking the Detroit Lions plus three in Carolina. I think uh, coming off of that beatdown that they put on the Giants, uh, I feel like the Lions are going to come in with a little bit of that swagger. I think they're going to feel like with or without Cam Newton, they're going to be able to hang. And, uh, you know, I, I like the Lions this year. Give me the Lions plus three. Yeah, I think that's a good pick there. Carolina, I, I, I'd forgotten how good that defense was. Uh, you know, going into this past week, and granted, it could just be the Tampa Bay's offense is terrible, but I, I think I spoke. I think I kind of may have written the Panthers off just a shade too quickly, but we'll see how that plays out. I agree, the Lions looked awesome on Monday night. Again, could have been something to do with the Giants looking terrible, but we shall see. It's time, guys. Let's move into it. It's time for our picks. BLG, start us off. Do you see them winning the game? I do see them winning. Uh, I'm gonna say I wrote I wrote one already in the the exchange I did with the Colts blogger, but I can't remember what it was. So I'm gonna say uh, Eagles 31, Colts 27. All right, Patrick, what do you think? I've been going back and forth on this one. My heart's telling me the Eagles are gonna win, and it might not even be super close, like everybody is saying. Uh, I just can't shake. The Andrew Luck thing. I just feel like these teams match up pretty well. Nick Foles obviously can't play anywhere nearly as poor as he did last week, which I don't think he's going to. I feel like I'm a, I'm a one-man uh, bandwagon at this point. But I'm coming around as the week has gone on. I think the Eagles can pull this one out. I think they're going to look back at the film and say, man, think about how good we could be if we got it all together. I think Nick Foles is going to grip it and rip it which was uh, the advice that Chip gave him last season that turned the season around for Nick. Uh, so give me the Eagles, say uh, 28-24. Matt? Oh, no. Give me the Eagles, obviously. Wouldn't be BGN Radio if we didn't all pick the Eagles. <laughs> uh, give me the Eagles. I'm going to say they win 44-28 to in a laugher. Oh, I like Woo! that. I like yeah. that. The, uh, the Colts, they, they have nothing. They yeah, have, I'm with you. Nothing. They got nothing going on. They have nothing up front. They have nothing on the back. There's nothing between Nick Foles and the end zone except Nick Foles. So, yeah. And Leron Landry. 40, ooh, yeah. 44 <laughs> to 28. Uh, the Philadelphia Football Eagles. 
I'm with you. I just I don't see anything on this Colts team outside of Andrew Luck. And and granted, look, Andrew Luck turned them into an 11-5 team last year, won a playoff game basically by throwing them on his shoulders. So I, I get that, but I just feel like this Eagles team is too well coached, uh, too talented. I think that the fact that the way the Jaguars game went, where they they were down 17 to nothing, looked so bad in that first half might have kind of kicked him in the ass a little bit. I, I, I just don't see them going in there on a Monday night and losing to this Colts team that really has nothing outside of luck. I, I agree with you guys. I think it's a shootout. I'm going to go 34-27. to 27. I think it's a close game. I think the Eagles win it by a touchdown. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I'm pumped, guys. I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens Monday night. Then we'll get the recap show. I, I guess that'll do it, huh, guys? Sounds good to me. Hey, I, shout out to James Seltzer this week. We were missing our Nick Foles in John Barchard, but wouldn't you know it if our Mark Sanchez, James <laughs> Seltzer, came through in the clutch this week. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> I'll, I'll end it by saying I never thought I would be compared to Mark Sanchez at any point in my life. And not only that, I never thought I would appreciate it so much. So thank you, sir. Uh, that'll do it for BGN episode number 47, fueled by Duncan Philly. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. 